0: This program is brought to you by Pussy Magnets. Pussy magnet.
1: Welcome, welcome, my lovely lumps. Or should I say, lovely labs? I'm so thrilled to have you here in the labia lounge to yarn about all things sexuality, womanhood, holistic health, and everything in between your legs. <laughs> Ah, can never help myself. Anyway, we're going to have vag loads of real chats with real people about real shit. So buckle up, you're about to receive the sex ed that you never had and have a bloody good laugh while you're at it. Before we get stuck in, I'd like to respectfully acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which I'm recording this, the Manang people. It's an absolute privilege to be living and creating dope podcast content on Nunga Country, and I pay respect to their elders, past, present, and emerging. Now, if you're ready, let's flap and do this. <laughs> oh God, is there such thing as too many vagina jokes in the one intro? <laughs> Whatever, I'm leaving it in. It's my podcast broken your sex education was a piece of shit get your flaps out and pull the couch it's the lady lounge hey all you lady lovers welcome to- Lounge after a little mini hiatus. Um, I just want to acknowledge that it's been a few weeks since I've released an episode, and I do like to keep up with the weekly episodes. But truth be told, my life has been crazy. Um, mm-hmm. And this podcast does take quite a lot of my time and energy. So when I'm in survival mode and I'm just struggling to keep my head above water, it does take a bit of a back seat. And it crushes me because I love doing this and I want to be consistent, but I also just want to say, hey, I'm a real person, shit's been crazy. <laughs> um wasn't able to keep up with the weekly episodes, but I will do my best. And today I'm making a comeback with an absolutely incredible guest who I'm giddy with excitement to talk to. I've got Alison Armstrong reclining on some clit cushions with me here. So welcome, Alison. Thank you. I'm really glad to be here. <laughs> so to give everyone some background on you, Alison. Uh let let me just give you the download. So I'm gonna I'm gonna read her bio out. Forgive me if I <laughs> if I stumble, but it's just too good to cut short. So mm, her thanks. exploration of human behavior began in 1991 with her decision to study men. Quote to find out how I was bringing out the worst in them, and hopefully how to bring out the best. Her success in understanding men naturally led to studying women's behaviour and making vital connections between the two. As her work evolved over decades, Alison now illuminates human characteristics that precede and express themselves regardless of gender, age and upbringing. She distinguishes normal human instincts that compel both men and women to behave in ways that contradict and undermine our own purposes, goals, values, needs and relationships. Besides fulfilling the need to understand why people behave as they do, Alison offers practical, partnership-based alternatives. Through her seminars, books, online programs, and media contributions, she's been giving millions of people access to more fulfilling lives, loving relationships, stronger families, and productive organizations. Alison is a sought-after speaker and thought leader amongst people with the desire to live empowered lives, and her philosophy and approach are referenced and taught by other authors, speakers, business consultants, and therapists, and she's a total badass, <laughs> and she's on my podcast. How exciting. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm just actually so thrilled. I've been following your work for ages, um, Alison, and every single time I see a post or watch a reel or read something that you've written, I'm just like, Damn, you are just so onto it. And obviously, you know, you've been researching this for years, for decades. Um, so I did have trouble choosing what we would mainly focus on in this episode because you've got so many really relatable and really valuable topics in your wheelhouse. But I'm just going to give you a heads up. Did I couldn't go past one of your original popular. Sorry, what was that? Did you pick sex? Are we, we going to talk about sex? Well, kind of. <laughs> Understanding men. Um, yeah. <laughs> which sex will come into that and I do cover sex so much on the podcast that I thought all right well you know like one of you know your sort of signature courses and, and topics that you've focused mm-hmm. on which is a very popular area is understanding men and you also mm-hmm. have understanding women and all of these other things but I thought all right well a lot of my listeners are female a lot of them are heterosexual let's just go deep into the world of men and what we aren't what we aren't understanding about them and maybe the myths or the misunderstandings or misconceptions because, you know, relationships, good sex, very reliant if you're fucking men to understand them, you know. (laughs) So how do you feel about that? (laughs) (laughs) Let's do it. Where do you want to start? Uh, Okay, well. Something that I often educate people on and get asked a lot when I'm on podcasts is how male and female bodies are wired differently physiologically and energetically when it comes to sexual arousal. And there's some big differences there that really impact sex and understanding them can enhance intimacy, connection, sex, just make the whole thing better. So I would mm. love to delve into some of the main ways that men's and women's brains are wired differently that impact Relating because this is probably an area I'm assuming that you know a fair bit about.
0: I didn't know where you were going to go. Um, I'm glad you ended up where you ended up. Um, it, oh boy. Can I just tell you what I'm thinking about when you started yeah. talking about um, in the context of sex? That one of the things I'm fascinated by. And I don't have a lot of detail it's mostly intuitive and observation <laughs> with with my boyfriend my um, lover yeah. and that is how you know before the 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 X chromosomes kick in it's the X's right um you know so we start out all female and then those chromosomes kick in I think it's the twenty first day of gestation. And then the cells start differentiating themselves, but they're so similar, like um Lou Padgett's work on orgasms in that a woman can have a throat orgasm. well, that's awfully like a vaginal orgasm <laughs> like there's just <laughs> top and bottom of the tube this with out of the same cells or or oh boy, he wouldn't mind um because I asked him right. Um, I, I mean, I was married forever. Okay. I was married forever. And my husband was an amazing lover, but not because we had great communication <laughs> because he was intuitive. He was a body worker with healing hands. He adored my body cause I was in it, you know, so we worked it out over n- almost 30 years, but you know, after he died, and realizing I wanted to be in a, in a romantic relationship again, I was unwilling to go without communication that would speed up the process of let's get to know each other. And um, and it it was amazing because within a month of starting to have sex together, we both acknowledged you're the best lover I've ever had. And it was because of how safe it was to inquire, right? And to talk and to experiment. And, but one of the things that I, this we're getting to the TMI question already. I ask to watch him touch himself so that I would know better how to touch him this was something my husband would never do. I mean, he grew up with that's bad, right? Oh, Oh, I'm sorry, honey. And, but, but by watching my boyfriend touch himself, I could then make sense of my body to him. So, so the cells that make up your penis are the same as make up my clitoris. So what you enjoy happening there, I enjoy happening in a miniature version. And then all of a sudden the light bulbs went on. These, these are the same cells. These are the same things, you know? Um, and, and that's a way that when we start to see that at, you know, the cellular level, Men and women are so much alike, but there are so many ways we're not alike that women don't know, and Mm. the the knowing of which changes everything. And for example, there's a really important example. So testosterone causes the brain to naturally fit what I now call, some people could call it masculine. You could call it hunting mode. Um, we've done that. I now like to call it a committed state of mind. Mm-hmm. So when a man or a woman chooses a, a goal, a result, a destination, that, and they're absolutely committed to it, then their brain enters a committed state and it literally screens out everything considered irrelevant to what it committed itself to. And this causes a lot of problems, for example, when someone's looking for the one and they have what I call meant to be, they see these meant to be evidence. And once they think this is the one and it's meant to be, their brain screens out evidence to the contrary. <laughs> so even though it's right in front of them, how this is not a fit, they're not going to see it. Yeah, both men and women do it. Um, now in the area of sexuality, one of the things that's awesome about this committed state of mind is that men are literally nurtured, right? They're, they are given energy by beauty. They're fed by beauty. And what this does is the opposite of how we as women are. You'd think, oh, God, right? That's so superficial. You have to be perfect. No, their brains scan for beauty and then screen out what doesn't occur is beautiful to them. So they look at a woman that we might look at and think, well, gosh, her skin isn't perfect her eyes aren't even exactly the same shape. She has crooked teeth. She has, I mean, we like we'll have all this flawed, you know, way of looking at it. Mm-hmm. And we look at ourselves that way. And we're sure when we take our clothes off that that's what they're doing is looking at all the flaws mm-hmm. No, their brains are the opposite. They're seeing the beauty. They're looking at the face of this ninety-year-old woman and seeing the beautiful, sparkling eyes. Right? They're seeing the the warmth and the smile. And isn't that cute? The way the two front teeth are crossed. And and <laughs> mm-hmm. one man, his, his wife was like three months past having given birth to twins. And she would take a shower and wrap herself in the towel before she got out of the shower. And her husband came in when she was doing this again and he said, why are you doing that? And she said, why? Well, I, I, you're, you're going to look at me and just think how fat I am. And he said, no. <laughs> if, if you, if you're don't have clothes on, you haven't wrapped yourself in the towel. All I think is naked lady, naked lady. <laughs> so funny but they really do like my my husband said i had the greatest butt in the whole world that that was that was just how he was in life for 28 years you have the greatest butt in the in the whole world and i i said to him even with the dimples and and he said what dimples He never saw them. He, they just—they yeah. just weren't there in his reality. So, I mean, this single focus it impacts everything they do. Like they're either listening to you or not listening to you. The pretending to listen to you. <laughs> It's something they'll do if they think they're going to be in trouble for not listening to you. And it causes so much mischief to pretend they're listening because they can't partway listen the way we do. And, Mm -hmm. um, But for a man to be just listening to you, right? Like, honey, I need to tell you something that's important to me. And I'm not asking what you think about it. I'm just asking you to listen with the question, what's true for her? What's true for her? I want you to see me. Do you need to take a moment to shift into listening that way? Because that's not a normal way to listen, right? Most humans listen. What do I think about that? What do I know about that? How do I feel about that? Do I agree with that, right? It's totally self-oriented. And then give them a chance to transition. And then they'll listen and they will quote you accurately and in context 10 years later. Because that single focus, which testosterone is also related to memory, right? They're just all there for that. Mm. Yeah, it's one of the most important things to know about men is the effect of testosterone on being single-focused, being committed. And they're naturally committal. And and their testosterone levels are greatly affected by how much rest they get. Too many men pride themselves on how little sleep they get by on. So they have low levels of testosterone, and that makes them grumpy. Testosterone makes men grumpy and, and so they don't get enough rest. If they're criticized, someone keeps taking a bite out of them, different forms of emasculation that will lower their testosterone. And then they, they're less able. They can't provide so much for us and, and they need to win at everything. So in the, in the topic of of sexuality, this is the one area I've actually found that men will gladly receive direction. (laughs) I mean, there's jokes about men and directions. This is an area where they want, maps, (laughs) they want navigation, they want signals, they want signs. And, Mm -hmm. and it's, it's something that we haven't, this falls into the learning area, but we're not taught to provide. And, Mm Anything that a man is appreciated for, he will do again, and and in this area, you know, it's the appreciation. It's often in in the sounds that we make, mm, yeah. <laughs> the the purring, squealing, crying out sounds that we make, and it's even the next day, honey, you were awesome last night, <laughs> <laughs> or something that that Dan and I have, I I call it the post-game highlights. Nice. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> and, and, and this is one of the ways we became the best for each other so quickly is, you know, okay, post-game highlights. Okay. So when you did that <laughs> and when you did this and when you did that and when you did this, and then like both of us were getting informed at such a rate, right? And, And I mean, before we ever met, we talked about, you know, Jaya loves erotic blueprints and he took the survey and sent it to me. And we talked about, so what had you say yes to this? And what had you get this? So, I mean, that sharing of that information in order for him to be set up to win, to be set up to succeed. And, and they, they so, they so want to succeed. But if we don't define success as it works for us, the default success is make you come. All right, let's make you come. <laughs> and they don't know, they don't understand sometimes we can't. And so they won't stop pursuing it when our bodies aren't lined up. We we haven't built enough oxytocin, for example. Um, but they don't. But if that's not going to work, they need another way to win. They just want to win. So if you're not like that's, that's, that's not on the table tonight. However, <laughs> there is something. Um, so this focus, this winning, this everything needing to be worth it and how it becomes worth it is because it's appreciated. Um, the energy is coming back, uh, fundamental to everything they do and don't do. They don't do it they don't win at. They don't do what they're not appreciated for. They may do it once, and then they'll never do it again. And yeah. if you appreciate them a lot, like consistently appreciate it, then they start generating doing it. Yeah. And then you end up with surprises that you can catch them yeah. at. Oh, my gosh. I came home to this. Wow. And then now there's a new game to win at. Surprise her. Delight her. Delight <laughs> her.
1: Well, this is kind of um, jumping ahead to a question that I've got um, yes. for a little bit later around, you know, sort of how to not get them to do what you want, but how to encourage them with positive reinforcement or whatever to sort of um, exhibit behaviours or stop behaviours that, that you know, suit your needs and stuff like that. But something that I did want to touch on while you were talking about um, giving direction and guidance in the bedroom um and 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 emasculation I think you mentioned I know that you talk a bit about something that you call unconscious emasculation so I'd love to hear a bit about what that means to you and I and I guess this is a double double ender the the whole okay men love guidance they want to map I do believe that's true because they want to win. They want to please you. That helps them feel good about themselves. However, I have come up against quite a lot of, you know, and, and clients talk to me about this a lot, uh, instances where they have tried to give feedback in the bedroom or a bit of guidance. And even personally, I've had this with, with past lovers. The, the male in that equation feels, uh not good enough, feels insecure, feels emasculated, goes into his head, goes into his shell because your, the act of giving feedback or guidance obviously equates to him as a dent in his ego because he can't please you sexually and he shouldn't need any guidance or feedback because he should just be this sex god automatically. So mm-hmm. I guess that ties in with the unconscious emasculation thing, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on this and maybe how we can give feedback and guidance in a way that will be received Um, well,
0: yeah, I can tell you that. And, um, I would also caution both men and women to, you gotta have a limit in how much your feedback is disrespected. Um, I know, and you don't, I already know. Um, really? I'm trying to tell you how my body works. And you're saying you already know from some other woman's body. <laughs> um, and unfortunately, a man can think he should know and that he does know. And I have a student who is in the, the, the porn hall of fame. <laughs> she is in the porn hall of fame. And she I don't know if she still does, but she would give workshops for men to teach them what really feels good to a woman. Because unfortunately, too many men's, their education, it, their sex education is pornography. And she'd tell them outright, most of that doesn't feel good. It's not pleasurable for a woman. It might even be uncomfortable or painful. It's only done for the visual stimulus it, get, it gives you to... Buy the movie, keep watching the movie, want another mo- movie. It, it isn't sex education. In fact, it's, it's disinformation. And so it's one of the things to find out, like, it, and honestly, I would recommend to do it before you ever get naked. So, um, so obviously we're really interested in each other and we're really attracted to each other and sometime, I don't know how soon we may be naked together. And I'm just curious, would you share with me where have you learned about sex? How have you learned about sex? Mm -hmm. And if he isn't telling you things like, well, let's see, I read she comes first. (laughs) And, um, and I've done the erotic blueprints and um, I studied tantric sex and I learned about, <laughs> you know, and, and I read the three hour orgasm, but I only got to 30 minutes. And like, if he isn't like going outside of, what do you mean where have I got an education about sex? I'm not a virgin. Okay. So that would tell me that however many partners you had, You may have learned something from them about how their body worked. Mm. Would you commit yourself to learning how my body works? And I will be happy to teach you and guide guide you with kindness because I don't Mm. expect you to already know at that level of individuation. And I I want you to score a thousand points with me by by me showing you how my body works. And God, I love him so much. Um, Dan, early on in our sex life, he said, he asked a question. He says, so how is that for you when I do that? And he, and I paused and I thought, I said, annoying. (laughs) And I was, I was afraid to see it, but he knew truth is one of my highest values. And so I told him the truth and, And he said, well, then I better stop doing it. (laughs) He didn't take it personally at all because Mm. one of the ways we unconsciously emasculate men is we withhold quality, actionable information. So we Mm. pretend, for example, we fake orgasms so they'll let us go to sleep. Instead of giving them the quality information, the clit has gone underground and she ain't coming back. (laughs) <laughs> I got nothing that's going to fire. Or, honey, this this is what would work for me now. I can tell by the sensitivity that we got to do more of this and less of that. Um, or here, let me help, right? Like we, that would be information. Instead, he just keeps trying to produce a result and, and then we're pretending he did. So, you know, just please let me go to sleep instead of prove what a great lover you are. It, we got to take the performance out of it. And when I first started studying men and started asking about sex, um, amazing man. His name is Brooke. He said, Allison, it, it's impossible to overestimate the impact of performance on a man in sex. And as I learned more about it and discovered how many couples weren't having sex anymore because he had an episode of erectile dysfunction and mm-hmm. didn't understand how it works that they just, I'm out. Like it was so horrifying that like, I'm out. I'm done. No, no more attempts at that. And when, for example, understanding women, our online course, with women, all the other things add up to sex. If you try to go direct to sex, not so good. But if you're listening, if you're having her feel safe, if she feels supported, if she's getting the wow, like there's all these things that add up to, you know, yeah, let's go. And and so for the women and the men to find out in this co-ed course that the biggest turn-on for both men and women is the other person's desire for them. And men are suppressing their desire because when they did it as a teenager, they were shut down badly. And now in an intimate relationship, being rejected crushes them. So they'll not show their desire until they think she wants sex, right? So they're watching for signs. Okay, she put lingerie on. Green light, right? <laughs> when she may have looked just as sexy to him in the sweatpants, but no, there's her pants. That's that's a red light, right? So they don't understand the signals. And but it, if if women, when a man has an ED event, she doesn't want to make him feel bad again, so she won't. Express, you know, could you please bend me over and drive it hard? Like she won't express desire. I want you so bad. She's just like, yeah, it it would be nice if we had sex. If you know, it worked for you, and and we totally toned down our desire, so we literally cause an apparent ED by not being a full on invitation. We talk about this in the Queen's Code. Being a full on invitation to I want you bad. You sexy monster. Do you know? <laughs> like, okay. I'll be right there. So it, oh, it's so sad what the not knowing causes, do you know, on both sides when there could be so much sense of safety and security and playfulness and expressions of love and, and trying out new things and, so, so many things that we could do if we just understand this. He needs to be set up to win and criticism. They may act tough, but criticism will crush them. They don't learn through criticism. They, they learn through, I love your enthusiasm. Do you think you could express it this way? <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, or just, um, I'm sorry, but I don't know how your other partner's bodies have been put together, and I don't want to know, um, but I want you to know about mine. So give me your hand. Let me show you my G spot. Feel that rough spot in there? that That's where it is. I think you've been searching for it with valiant effort, and I really appreciate that about you, but, but I thought if I had showed you, you could just go there, yeah, <laughs> but, don't, yeah. but don't go there and tell you done this, right? Or, or I mean, I literally, my son was, how old was he? He was a year younger than I wished. Can I tell you a funny story? Yeah. So when my son was 13, he said, mom, why do you guys want to have sex all the time and girls only want to have sex part of the time? 13, right? So I don't know how well I hid my shock, but I said, I thought, I said, well, because men, guys, men can make babies, can, can procreate all the time. And women are only fertile about 30 hours a month. And and that's when we're driven. That's when we have the hunger for sex, the way that men can have all day, every day. And he's like, hmm. "So how do you get them to want to do it more?" <laughs> Thirteen. <laughs> and um, and I I thought about it, and I said, "Well, you'd be really good at it." <laughs> this is all on a the corner, a street corner in our neighborhood. And, and then he said, and then he said, so how do you be really good at it? And I said, when it's time for you to be having sex, I promise I will answer that question. And, and, and he registered that. And then when he was 15, it's like 15 and a half. He's like, mom, when are you going to. Tell me how to be good at sex. And I said, Well, I said, Well, what do you think is an appropriate age for a young man to start having sex? And in my head, I was thinking, 17, 17, please say 17, please say 17. (laughs) And he said, 16. And I, okay, when you turn 16, I will answer that question. And at that time, he was living with his father. And so he showed up the weekend after his birthday and I, I, I still do it. I have dates with my kids cause I'm very one-on-one and I love being with them one-on-one. It's just, oh, it's the best. And they saw me having dates with their dad and I, my daughter was like, can I have a date with you? And so that's how it all started. Aww. Oh, it's beautiful. So Jeff and I were having a date and we're going down this street and um, to, we're going to Starbucks and I, I have this thing called the conversation game. And I said, okay, so if you could um, talk to me about anything, what would you talk to me about? And if you could ask me about anything, um, what would you have me talk about? And he he just said, I'd have you keep your promise.
1: (laughs) Whoa. He has not forgotten.
0: (laughs) Not even close. So on two... Brown paper napkins in the middle of Starbucks. I don't know how many people were listening. First, I drew a picture in outline of a woman's body and I numbered all the erogenous zones. And number one was her ear. He's like, what do you do to her ear?
1: <laughs>
0: I'm like, honey, it's what you say. <laughs> Let's do it is not a great invitation to a woman. <laughs> And then I went over everything, the back of the knees. I mean, like everything. I showed him all these places that give women pleasure that most men don't know about. You know, it's, you know, kiss A, grab B, and insert C. that That's the extent of their knowledge. And, and so so then after we did all that, then I drew a picture. I I. I really did this. I would do anything for people to have greater understanding. And this is my son, right? So I drew a picture like this of a woman's legs <laughs> and what, a <it> whole, maybe <laughs> a lounge, right? The whole, like what he, the, the whole thing. I drew a picture, and then I explained to him how every woman is different. Like this part could, this could be thinner, longer. This could be thicker, puffier. This could be, this could be here and it could be this longer. It could be shorter. It could thicken. It could do this. And, and, and if you find this part and then you go inside and the opposite of that part and you pay attention, you actually find the G spot on the backside of her clip, but her clip could be down here or it could be over here. And this could be that way. (laughs) Told him, all the possibilities in every woman you're going to have to get to know all over again. And it was really cute because I went to visit him where he was working in Alaska. And this woman who was like sort of the mother to all these young naturalist guides and, and, you know, rough and tough wilderness boys, she took me aside. She's like, you know, he's got a reputation for being good in bed. <laughs>
1: god he's so lucky to have had a mom like you that's incredible
0: (laughs) he was even really cute because at one point we started talking about toys and he's like okay mom what do you think about rabbits (laughs) rabbits he's like you know the secretary rabbit like um why are you asking well i was thinking maybe i want to get one to you know give the ladies more pleasure and i'm just like oh my god this man doesn't think it all has to happen with his penis like yeah. like i don't know who gifted him that i didn't but thank god somebody did instead of you know if you need a toy then i'm insufficient he didn't he didn't mm. have that at all
1: mm. wow that is so incredible that he feels comfortable to talk to you so openly that's very very rare and it just made me um think of what we we're speaking about earlier You know, speaking of erectile dysfunction, taking the pressure off the penis, um, because I had a little thought pop into my head when you were speaking about how um, it's, it's sort of this way that we unconsciously emasculate men by not providing them you know, clear information and, and direction and guidance because we are trying to preserve their feelings. We're trying to protect their ego. We think that we're taking the pressure off them by pretending that we don't really care. Oh, it's not a big deal. Oh, that's fine. I don't really need sex. That's cool. We think that we're doing them a favor, but we're actually doing them a disservice in that in that way. Um, yeah. How are some other ways that we are unconsciously emasculating men or our partners? Hey, babe towns. So sorry to interrupt, but I simply had to pop my head into the lounge here and mention another virtual lounge that you've got to get around. It's the Labia Lounge Facebook group that I've created for listeners of the potty to mingle in. And there you'll find extra bits and bobs like freebies or discounts for offerings from guests who've been interviewed on the podcast, inspiring and thought-provoking conversations and support from a community of labial legends. I also have an account on the fab new app Sunroom, which is a platform created by women for women and non-binary folk and where there's no shadow banning or censorship of sex-positive of content, unlike with the other platforms that I'm on. So you can hit up my sunroom for extra content and real and raw life updates because I'll be sharing on there from now on all of the stuff that I can't post anywhere else. My vision for both of these is that they become really supportive, educational, and hilarious resources for you to have more access to me and a safe space to ask questions that you can't ask anywhere else. So head over to the links in the show notes and I'll hopefully see you in there. And now, back to the episode. Hmm.
0: Um I want to say this one thing and I said it before, okay? Um as much as I Teach women the effects of emasculation and how much it's to our detriment that we do it. I don't. I always have to watch out for that. Women will translate that into um, be easier on them and and don't have boundaries. And mm-hmm. for example, a man who really won't learn from you how to be good in bed with you the end yeah and and if i had it all my way you would find that out on the phone
1: mm, 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 and love that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> i i asked i asked dan when we were on the phone exploring each other i said so well, how do you what do you think about phone sex he's like i'm not into phone sex and i said well you know, one thing about phone sex is you can have a narrative and you can try out verbally things you'd like to do to another person and then they can find out if they would want you to do that to them by their reaction to you talking about doing that to them. And you could find all that out before you get together. There's a lot less risk. And he's like,
1: hmm. So true.
0: <laughs> so he agreed to have a – a date with me, a phone date with me. And I, I, I had been exposed to this by someone incredibly articulate. (laughs) No idea. You could be talked into an orgasm. Um, But, but have knowing that and how much I learned with this, my previous lover that you know, then I got to share with him and we got to find out all these things about each other and it, and it broke open. Like it, it did this breaking open. And if someone's not willing to take those risks, they're not willing to explore. It's not like they're going to be more willing when they get to know you better. They're, if they're yeah. shut down, they're likely to stay shut down. And mm-hmm. if you can be safe and they respond to the safety, Or like Dan and I, we just kept being safe for the other person. Mm -hmm. We practiced not judging the other person's desires, but instead going, hmm, okay, am I into that? I don't know. I'd be willing to try if, you know, somebody said, I don't know how to do that. But I would try if you promised to coach me. And he promised to coach me. And he did. (laughs) And I don't know about with anybody else, but I have become an expert at doing that with him. (laughs) And it's, I mean, you know this because this is your work. We only make it more safe by taking the risk. We'll never find out if it's safe if we don't risk. And, And people want it to not feel like a risk. Well, I'm just not comfortable. And, and, um, my, my previous lover, wonderful, wonderful man, he'd say, well, are you comfortable with that? I said, I'm not organized around being comfortable. Right. And if somebody's like, well, I'm just not comfortable with that. Well, how are we going to grow if you're going to stay comfortable? So this is it then this is as good as we're going to get. And so I just, There's so much that we can do, but for both men and women, if the other person's not going to also risk, not also be safe, not have the level of interaction you're looking for, let it go. Just let it go. It's not like when they love you more, they're going to communicate more. My husband could not have loved me more. But he could not communicate about this stuff. Mm. That was, that wasn't about me. So. Okay. So you were asking about other ways we unconsciously emasculate men. We interrupt them. We, we interrupt them. Um, we ask them a question and they don't answer fast enough. So we interrupt their thinking to rephrase it. (laughs) Yeah. And then. And then we rephrase it and then we interrupt their thinking to give them multiple choice because they're still too slow. And, and understanding women, I act this out with what's really happening for a man, um, which what he's doing is he's committing to the question and then he's going to find you his best answer. And then, but he's too slow. So we rephrase the question. Well, that's a completely different question. Do you know, where do you want to go on vacation versus where do you think we should go on vacation? Those are really different questions, but we think they're close enough. And and we don't give them the time to think. We we basically teach men, the questions I'm asking you, I don't care about the answer. I, I care more about asking the question than getting the answer. And if you don't answer fast, I'm going to decide what's true for you. And we we do it too much of the time. And... And men, you know, they, they make the mistake of thinking porn is a education or that the first person they were with, we're all built that way. We're all, we all function that way. We'll all react that way. We don't know how much we have to customize. Um, uh, Sherry Winston's a woman's, um, anatomy of arousal. I, I, I don't, I'm not a big patriarchal human, so I opted out at that chapter. But just the idea that, it, that for women arousal is a ladder that we can fall off very easily. That is so true, given what the effects of estrogen on our brains were the opposite of focused. Our brain isn't screening out anything. Hence the, it's time to replaster the ceiling. Do you yes. know? <laughs> It's, you know, we're very sensitive to being distracted because our brains live in a state of distraction. And, and so they don't know, like one of the things we teach it men is touch is the loudest thing in a woman's environment. And you need to be the loudest thing because there are things telling her, clean me, fix me, throw me away. I'm ugly. This is why women have better hotel sex than sex at home because they're not accountable for the environment. <laughs> they, they, they don't. Those aren't my curtains. I didn't decorate this place. Here's a bed. Let's get to it. Um, but men don't know that, and they take the distraction personally. And um, so I teach them, you know, touch her, touch her before you invite her to have sex. Then don't let go. Lead her to the bedroom. Stand there and and maybe you know pet her hair while she brushes her teeth. Don't leave her to go off into her own little mind. She's going to clean the bathroom. <laughs> Diffuse awareness. She'll clean the bathroom instead of come out of it and dump your bones. <laughs> like You, you got you to get us all the way there. And, and so we, we don't even intentionally emasculate men by not giving them this information.
1: We don't even know that they don't know. We are yeah. sure they do. And half of the time, like, we don't even know this about ourselves, you know? Like, so much of what I do is educating women on themselves so that they can then pass that information on to their partners. Mm-hmm. Um, and that sort of segues perfectly into Get Pregnant and Die. Don't have sex, because you will get pregnant and die. Don't have sex in the missionary position. Don't have, don't have sex standing up. Just don't do it, promise. Because I'd love to know, you know, that's one of the things that we don't learn about in sex ed. Do you have an example of uh, something that you wish you'd learned more about in sex ed? Maybe a horror story or a funny story or some kind of anecdote from your sex ed? Pretty much any kind of sex ed related story. Hit me.
0: Well, okay. So much of my sex ed came from my mother who... I later was told by the director of the Child Abuse Council was a big part of my sexualization as a child. I was told things way too early, things I wasn't curious about. That she would tell me to like to shock me. She wow. she liked shocking me, and um, so like my brother called me a boner. My older brother he called me a boner. So I asked my mom what a boner was. <laughs> it was. Only 10. She could have just told me, you know, that's a bad word for an erection. And then I might have just wandered off or I might have said, what's an erection? Right? Well, an erection is when a penis, like a, like the dog, you've seen the dog, do you know, with his red rockets, that's an erection. That's, that's him having a boner. I, I would have wandered off. No. She told me all about them and what you do with them. And if a man doesn't have one, it's like stuffing a wet noodle. And it was oh my God. elaborate. Oh. Right? And then, you know, a couple of years later, I was on a chairlift. My brother was supposed to wait for me. He didn't. My mom was sitting next to me. I called him a name that he had called me. I said, you dildo. I yelled it down. <laughs> and. I didn't know what it was. It's just a name he called me. So I called him it. You dildo. And my mother's like, what? I'm like, what did I just say? She told me all about dildos. What do you do with the dildos? The kind of variations of dildos you can buy. The, how you can get a purple dildo. I didn't need that at 12 years old. <laughs> so there were a lot of things that I was taught too early. And then there were a couple things that Oh, my gosh. I don't even know where I picked it up from. But I just, it took me a very long time to find out I wasn't supposed to just lie very still and be quiet. Mm -hmm. That's what I thought I was supposed to do, lie very Mm -hmm. still and be quiet until he was done. Yeah, wow. Oh, oh, I (laughs) wish I had learned that. and. And then the other thing that my mother said—my mother is very self-conscious about having gotten pregnant before my parents were married—and wow. and so when I when I did the math, <laughs> when I got old enough to do the math on my brother's birthday, my mother's birthday, <laughs> all that stuff, um, and asked a question about it, she said. It's okay to have sex before you're married if you're going to marry that person. She told me with highest sincerity. Well, what did that create in me? I would have sex and then I think we, I sometimes I come in a mouth. So you're going to marry me? We're, we're going to, we're going to get married, right? <laughs> Cause that would make it okay. Oh, messed up. Messed up, really <laughs> catty, wampus ass backward, messed up. I also, she taught me that men won't touch heavy women. Oh. They'll never touch a heavy woman. They have no interest in heavy women. They won't touch heavy women, Allison, suck in your stomach. And because my nickname was oh. Chubber since I was a little oh kid. I was the only chubby kid oh. in my family. And, um, you know, so Allison, you know, don't eat peanut butter like your brothers and suck in your stomach. And I remember I was like seven and I was going to the candy store with my brother and I saw this really, you know, what, what thick, thick madame, right? A, a big woman with two little kids. And I stared at her and I wondered, where did she get them? Cause I knew how babies were made and that would never happen to her. There was no way a boner was going to be put in there. <laughs> like, oh, I mean, it's just
1: God. like,
0: like, yeah, men won't touch big women. And, um, if you're, and don't be divorced with children. Men do not want a woman who's divorced with children. You're falling over. It is so much bullshit. So much oh, bullshit. Oh, God. There are, oh my. I, have a, I have a friend who is, I mean, she's a big frame, right? She's a big frame. She's voluptuous in every way. Her husband's leaving for deployment. Do you know he pats her on the butt and said, this can be bigger when I get back. Like, oh it's just my mother, my I taught me, was bullshit, right? Men can't control the type that affects them. And there's so many men who, who love, like, the more, the better, right? Um,
1: yeah. So many lies. Oh, my God. Your mom. That's my heartbreaking, mom. some of the things that she had you believing. Oh, my God, devastating, but also made for really heartbreaking heartbreaking what,
0: die Yeah, what her mom had her believe.
1: Do you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Totally. Oh, absolutely. Well, so, at least you've broken the cycle and you haven't passed that on to your children. Um <laughs> <laughs> my my next line of questioning is something I I mentioned earlier, and that's I guess the best way to get get a partner to meet your needs or, or do what you want without the usual complaining and nagging. And I know that that sounds really blunt and like manipulative, but you know what I mean, right? Like if you want to encourage a new behaviour, uh, or maybe you know maybe you want them to stop doing something like leaving their wet towels in in a wet pile on the floor or if you want them to start doing something um, like making a little bit more effort Mm -hmm. um, to be on time, maybe give you more massages. These are totally made-up examples, by the way. I just thought of them on the spot. um, (laughs) I know that you have a quote. That I've written down here that I really like. Um, cause it was such a, it was a bit of a like, oh, wow, that is a good reminder. And it's that expectations turn receivers into takers because the giver can now only submit or resist to those expectations. And the giver has no chance to be generous or creative or romantic because, you know, like we are kind of having these expectations of our partners. We're getting disappointed if they don't fulfill them. We're nagging them. We're complaining. I know that that's not a really constructive way to actually get our needs met. So I'm wondering um, regarding men in particular, uh, how? How do you suggest people go about, um, you know, this sort of thing? I've spent hours talking about it. Um,
0: We actually have something people might want to listen to called A Great Ask and Beyond because a lot of people are good at getting a yes out out of a man or out of a woman or out of people that they work with or whatever, but then the yes doesn't turn into reality. And then they yeah. think that person has no integrity, um, which isn't necessarily true. A lot of times how we go about getting a yes, someone will give us a yes to escape us. And then once they've escaped yeah. us, yeah. they're going to do what they're always going to do, which was hell no. So, <laughs> yeah, so... Ha- so complaining, when you say complaining isn't a constructive way, it's worse than constructive. It's ineffective. It works on women. Criticism will cause women to change because they're much more organized around being pleasing, being agreeable. Um, so criticism will do it even resentfully, right? Um, but for men... They can't, they can't play losing games. They can't, they can't do something in order for you to not be upset. They can't not sustainably. They can't do something in order for you to stop whining about it or complaining about it or nagging it about it. That's not worth doing are They, they're investors. They have to have an upset. They have to win at it. We call it the worth it calculation. And this is why expectations fail because expectations are what you should do. And I shouldn't have to ask you. And I shouldn't have to remind you. And I shouldn't have to tell you when. And I shouldn't have to put you in the right place. I, I shouldn't have to do any of this. Why the hell don't you already know to do this? I, didn't your mother raise you right? Right? So it, it there's no upside to that. To fulfill an expectation then you're just not mad because I did what you think I should do and and they hate themselves when they
1: dishonor themselves that way excuse the interruption my loves but I'm shamelessly seeking reviews and five-star ratings for the potty because as I'm sure you've noticed by now it's pretty fab and the more people who get to hear it the more people it can help Reviews and ratings help me curry favour with the algorithmic gods and get suggested to other listeners to check out. Plus, they make me feel really good and appreciated as I continue to pour my heart and soul into creating this baby for you. And I promise I don't mas over them or anything. I mostly just tuck them away for a rainy day when I'm filled with self-doubt and existential dread about being self-employed, which is fairly frequently. (laughs) So you see, leaving a review really does make a difference and it's an easy little act of support that you can take in just a minute or two by either going to Spotify and leaving five stars for the show or writing a written review and leaving five stars over on Apple Podcasts. Choose your poison? Or if you're a real overachiever, you could do both. Well, now. If you are writing a review though, just be sure to only use G-rated words because despite the fact that this is a podcast about sexuality, words like sex can be censored and your review won't actually show up. Lame. Anyway... Oh, what was that? Oh, you're gonna go do it right now while I wait. Okay. Yeah, yeah. No, that's a great idea. May as well just quickly click that five star button before we get on with it and, you know, like forget about it and get on with your day. Um um oh, I'm hearing them roll in. I'm hearing those five stars. <laughs> oh my god, I make myself cringe. Anyway, uh thank you much Lee. You're a total gem, and I'll let you get back to the episode now. So
0: I would say, don't ask for anything until, first of all, you can state what you need. Like a simple statement of I need, not just what you need to not happen, what you, if you can put it in the positive, I need, right? Or you could say, I require, some people feel a lot more comfortable with that. They're synonymous. Mm -hmm. Um, if I'm, if I'm, going to continue to have a physical relationship with you, if we're going to be in a romantic relationship, if I'm going to make a commitment, if you're going to be around my children, I require, right? Mm -hmm. And then being able to describe what that would look like, right? So I require regular attention. And what that would look like is, mm, it could be as little as 20 minutes a day. Where we're talking on the phone and you're really listening to me, or you come over to see me, or it could be more time we have a date, or we watch TV together. Um, you know, you describe what this attention looks like, and everybody's going to have their own thing. And, and don't open your mouth until you can describe it. Because Mm. as soon as we say what we need, the person fills in what they think we mean by that. Mm. And don't use the word more. I need more attention. More is endless. More is unsatisfiable. So not more attention, Mm. (laughs) right? I need attention every day and then at this amount. Oh, Mm. 20 minutes a day. I can do that. That, that's totally doable. What else about that, right? So they're looking, can they do it? Then there's um, asking, is there anything you need to give me what I'm asking for? When I told my husband I needed affection from him every night, his response was, you want to have sex every night? <laughs> that told me what affection looked like to him, <laughs> so I ex- Blamed affection, all the ways he could show me affection. He could just gaze into my eyes. He could hold my hands. He could rub my back. He could snuggle with me for a few minutes before we went to sleep. And, and he's like, Oh, I can do that. And I was like, is there anything you need to give me that? His response shocked me. In fact, in 28 years, I never accurately anticipated his answer to that question. This is why it's important not to decide his answer was come get it. And I realized like I was so busy at the time of day when he was powering down and going to bed, he would have to lasso me to give me affection, right? I I, I was moving too fast. I was doing too many things. I was multitasking heaven at nine o'clock at night. He said, <laughs> come get it, right? And I were on opposite chronotypes. And so for the net, that was like two years in for the next 26 years. All I had to do was come get it. Can I have a hug? Can I crawl into your lap? <laughs> Would you come snuggle with me? <laughs> Would you hold me? That's all I had to do was go and ask.
1: And because yeah, so much of the time I feel like we're wanting these things or we have these needs, but we expect them to one, be able to read our minds. Um, and to like, kind of remember to come to us and deliver that whereas and we're very um I guess reluctant or hesitant to make demands or, or be too needy or to um you know to anything basically because of that people pleasing streak and so there might be some really simple things that we just think oh my god as if they don't just know that I love a little bit of a cuddle before bed or want to come and kiss me good night or before I leave for work in the morning like I can't believe that they don't just think to do that and or they don't just know that that's what I need and really like they'd be happy to do it if we actually just voiced our need and asked them for Mm -hmm. it and and went and sought it out you know but I think I think we want to be um pursued sometimes like we want them to just think of it themselves and for them to want to do it but you know that's not always that's not always the case and that doesn't mean that they you know don't love us so Can I tell you that actually, I mean, you can
0: tell by my face, it actually is worse than you're describing. (laughs) So we think they already know that those are all the things you do. And if you love somebody, if you desire somebody, you do those things. And if they don't do them, then we wonder what's wrong with me. That you don't love me enough to do that. Or what's wrong with me that you don't desire me enough to do that? And then we go to work on what we've decided is wrong with us because we think if they feel right, they'll act right.
1: Yeah. Wow.
0: That if they love me enough, then they'll do all these things. If they desire me enough, they'll do all these things. And, and we're not even in the same world as them. They don't know how much it would matter. Because that's the other part of asking for what you need is telling them the difference it'll make and then showing them that difference. Honey, if I Mm. got more sleep tonight, I would have so much more fun at the company picnic tomorrow. Mm. Okay, go to bed now. What? Don't tell me what to do. (laughs) I'll put the kids (laughs) to sleep. You go to bed. I want you to be fun tomorrow. we're incongruent with what we're saying instead of if you put the kids to bed, I could go to sleep in the next half hour. it will take me that long to get ready for bed. And then if I didn't wake up till six o'clock, I would be the happiest person at the company picnic. Okay. I'll support you. I've got the kids. I won't let them wake you up before then. I'll put them to bed now. So half hour starting now, I expect to see you in bed. (laughs) Okay. Mm -hmm. Deal. Thanks. Right. So they, they want to have an impact, but they need us to tell them what the impact will be. Honey, if you really want me to squirt, (laughs) this is what to do. Honey, if you really want whatever it is, you know, if you want me to smile more, if you want me to, you know, be able to get over the disappointment of what happened, this is what I need. And what I've always done, and it works so well, is if I'm not in good shape or i have especially not happy with my partner, I imagine being happy with them again. I imagine I'm happy with them. I'm in love with them. I think they're amazing. And then I ask, how did I get here? And then I just wait. And I'm always given the answer. Well, he, he apologized for that. You made a deal. How to Next time, how you'd handle that situation. And and then you had the healing penis. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Love a bit of a healing penis. That'll set you straight.
0: <laughs> Nothing like the, But it's got to be at the right time. It's got to, yeah. you know, it has an order. Do you know And you try to provide it before that? And it's a nasty penis. It's <laughs> not a good thing. <laughs> so, yes, but just like you eat picture being in the state we want to be in and then how did I get here and notice what shows up and it can it has saved me from times when I literally didn't want to know my husband like I don't even want to know him (laughs) and okay wait a second this is not how I want to live my life no I want to be in love with him again I love this man I want to be in love with him okay how do I Okay, picture, picture, picture. How did I get here? Hmm. He replaced the toilet with Jeff. He bought him a skateboard. He cleaned up this side yard so he could skateboard. Who's mean to my son. He could skateboard in the side yard. Plus the girls could ride their scooters around. Oh, and he said, I'm an asshole. <laughs> For some reason, that was like always the capper. I needed him to say that. It's weird. I don't need my boyfriend to say that, but I needed my husband to say that. And so I would tell him what he needed to do, and he would get that it really was a thing to do. And so he he and my son installed a new toilet, went and bought a skateboard. Greg cleaned up the whole side yard. Oh, my God, what a nightmare. The kids then had this place to ride their bikes and their skateboards. He said, I'm an asshole. He was like, wow. We <laughs> It was time for, Uh, you know, the healing penis because the union had been broken up. We had to, you know, reunite.
1: Yeah, love that. And it is just so – it's such a common thing that we – We like women, we think of everything. We think so much. We talk so much. We just, we just process so much information. And so, therefore, often we're thinking, Oh, well, I've already thought like 10 steps down the line and I can deduce that this thing is getting in the way of this thing, which therefore impacts me in this way. Why can't they see that? Why aren't they anticipating (laughs) my needs? Or, you know, and it's like, well, yeah, yeah, we have like, what is it, 85% of the mental load in a household? Some crazy percentage, like, women carry the mental load and we think of everything we're always considering things and you know adding and like it's just it's a lot a lot goes on in our head hence why it's so hard to relax into orgasm sometimes for women um because we don't have that singular focus we have the multitasking like oh my god um and I think it's just a yeah just a, a important very important thing to remember like you know, with regards to having a male partner, they just don't work the same way, you know, when it comes to this stuff and their minds are not processing all of those millions of things that you are and and looking into the future to, you know, like my poor partner, he's, he's often saying, oh, I just feel like I'm not romantic enough for you and I'm, I don't surprise you enough and I, I, you know, don't think of these things. He's like, I just don't think to do them. And he's he's comparing himself to me because I love surprises. I'm very romantic. I think of all sorts of ideas and ways that I can, you know, surprise him or gift something to him or create an experience for him or impact his experience positively. Like my brain thinks that way, mm-hmm. and that's just how I am. And so I think he then goes, oh, oh my gosh, like I'm not able to to give that back to her on the on the same level, and and that's you know but it's also like you can't force you can't force that and um is that what you need back from him do you need him to I mean women
0: tend uh, to want exact precise reciprocation
1: but sometimes it's a love language thing isn't it yeah I would love it I would totally love it I'm all about the big romantic gestures and the surprises no one ever surprises me I think I think I I would love these things but they're not a need because he meets my so many of my other needs that are probably more essential um and so and you know he he tries and he does he still does small things so that's enough and he gives really good massages so (laughs) um (laughs) it's a trade-off I can't have it all you know and maybe one day he'll be so inspired by how thoughtful and romantic and how many surprises I do that he will start thinking along those terms. I don't know. Who knows? (laughs) It won't go like that. It won't go like that.
0: Um, They're not wired that way. Um, They, uh, so I'll I'll tell you how it does work. Men, um, when they win at something, then that encourages them to take a bigger risk. And when they win at that, it encourages them to take a bigger risk. And, and by risk, I mean their time and their energy and their resources. So if he gives you a little surprise and you're like, Oh my gosh, you surprised me. You picked a daisy from the neighbor's yard and brought me a flower. Oh. You surprised me with it. It's not a holiday. It's a surprise. I have a surprise, Daisy. I have a surprise, Daisy. (laughs) Then he's like, Oh shit, this surprise stuff works. What else could I surprise you with? Yes. So he had it. it, It's, it's never how big you go is just, it's going to continue to be intimidating. And so, but he does a little thing and it works. Then he does. Then he wants to do another thing and it works. And mm-hmm. and women think if we're not pleased, if we don't give them the happy, they'll try harder. No, they don't. Mm-hmm. They just, oh, I can't make her happy. If we give them yeah. the happy, then they try harder for a bigger happy. Well, if she was happy with a daisy, what would she think about
1: this? <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> <Don't>.
0: <laughs> and yeah. then, oh, and then... Oh, she was happy with that. Well, what about this? And they, they go, the way I like to say it is they go from win to win. They don't have a lose and try harder. They, they go, they have a win and give bigger, a win and give bigger, win and get bigger. That's how it adds up, honestly, to will you marry me? Because (laughs) it's winning and winning and winning. And so now it's worth the biggest risk. They think they're going to win at it because, well, I made her happy all these other times. I people always ask, why did you marry Allison?" Because I knew I could make her happy. Well, how did he know he could make mm-hmm. me happy? Because he'd been making me happy <laughs> again yeah. and again and again, and I made sure he knew it.
1: Mm-mm. Well, it's like that, um, you know, uh, with receiving, sometimes I talk about that. Receiving graciously and, and really expressing a lot of gratitude and love and excitement and just being really thrilled when someone is giving to you, whether that's like sexually or gift giving, you know, the way you receive that makes it either – really draining for the giver or really rewarding you know if you're kind of like snubbing them or you're like oh it's not good enough or if you're unable to receive especially in the bedroom this happens a lot with women who struggle to receive you know uh, attentions or affection from men because they're self-conscious or they don't feel like they deserve pleasure or for whatever reasons that's Mm. less enjoyable for the giver um And it's the same with like these little surprises, like when he does do, do small things like that, I lose my shit in the best (laughs) way, you know? Like it's so, it's so amazing. And it's, I guess, pretty, pretty simple positive (laughs) reinforcement. Um, But yeah, I love, I love that you kind of clarified that because it's probably something quite common that people think like, Oh, well, if I just show that this isn't good enough or show my disapproval or if I don't react because like to me, it's not a big enough surprise or it's not good enough or it's like kind of Mm -hmm. there, but it's not really what I'm after. Then Mm -hmm. yeah, that actually works against them. Um, Mm -hmm. and I'm wondering if you just before we wrap up, do you have any, um, I guess, like myths or common misconceptions about men that you get really frustrated about because um, you hear about them a lot and they create so much disharmony in relationships. Like, um, Because I hear so many, like I have clients coming in and talking and I'm just like, oh, my God, fuck. Like there's so many narratives in our culture that are just completely wrong and really damaging. Um, I know you've spoken about, uh, you know, people think that men want you to be this damsel in distress so that they can save you, you know, or that men mm-hmm. are intimidated or emasculated when women initiate sex. And these just aren't necessarily true. So I'd love I'd love to hear your sort of favorites or, you know, the ones that annoy you the most with regards to like misconceptions about about how men actually work. We we have 3 more days, right? <laughs> no, it's a big question. I'm sorry. <laughs> Well, there's
0: so many places to go. Um, one is how we're being matters so much. Men are, so one of the biggest myths is that men are insensitive. Men are very sensitive and they're very sensitive to how someone's being. And if how they're being and their words match and if their actions and their words match. And if they don't match, we're just unbelievable. We're not a credible source of information, including about ourselves. We say we're tired and we don't go to bed. Then tired didn't actually mean anything and they stopped believing us. Um, so like initiating sex, men love women initiating sex, but initiate with desire instead of demand. Demand is you got to perform now, buddy. Man, talk about E.D. <laughs> like,
1: yeah. No,
0: no, 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 no. So um, desire, expressing desire, oh, my gosh. There's – my husband was 69 years old when he died suddenly of a heart attack. And he exercised every day because I required it or I would not even share bed with him at night to sleep. I would like, no, I'm not – I deserve a good night's sleep and you're going to snore like a train. So you got to exercise. So he started exercising and exercising, exercising, climbing this hill. And then one day I was just like, Jesus, honey, you could be an ass model. I had no idea how much he would love that 69 years old. And he's like, really? And And then, and then I, you know, a couple months later I said, honey, I think you're started strolling. Up the hill, you're not booking up the hill like you used to. And he's like, "How can you tell?" I said, "Well, I don't want to hear, hurt your feelings, but your butt's going flat." And and I was like, really afraid, you know, your your, your butt's flattening out. And and then and then I was looking for him, like, where where did he go? Did I really hurt his feeling? Where did he go? I looked out the window. He's climbing the hill as fast as he can. He's racing up that hill. Like they were so worried about us being desirable. They don't, we don't know how much they worry about being desirable. That's, that's another myth. Um, and, oh my gosh. And this thing about the being insensitive, I honestly think they're more sensitive than we are and what they're sensitive to, I think is more keyed in, um, for the most part, mm-hmm. Um, we also think that they're like, that they're shallow emotionally. And I honestly, from over 30 years of studying them, I think they're, I think they feel more deeply than we do. And one of the ways to see it is read poetry. A majority of it is written by men. song lyrics. And I'm not dissing women. I, I think we do amazing things, but they really do write that stuff. They really do feel that and think that and express that. And, and one of the things that women don't know about men is that caring about one of us is their biggest risk. They are free. They are free until they care about somebody. And and that's why someone will avoid caring. They don't they don't want to have it take over their life, that she becomes the center, the center of of light, the center of their heart, the I remember one time I was upset with Dan about something and, and we were putting things back together and, and he just looked down at me and he said, You have my heart. Oh boy, <laughs> I better take more responsibility mm-hmm. for that. And mm-hmm. so they're they're just they're just so much more vulnerable to us than we know. And I used to be so mean to men because I first of all, I thought I thought they would hurt me if they had a chance and that mm-hmm. they didn't really have feelings, so I couldn't hurt their feelings. And I thought they were egotistical assholes, so if I could humiliate them, that was a victory. And I did. I was horrible and yeah, um, yeah, it was horrible. So they're just, they're just not who we think we are. And and that's why, you know, 1991, when I found out I was a frog farmer, that I was bringing out the worst in men. Right. And the, (laughs) the first chapter of the Queens code that happened to me, it was my friend who asked the man, the question that nasty way. And he called her a frog farmer and I had a vision and I was so glad to have somebody get through to me. What if who you think men are, they're not. And what if how you're treating them is bringing out the worst in them. And I was so excited by that because the alternative was men really are assholes. Like, no, what if they're not? What if someone said, you know, <laughs> it was so funny. Um, you know, it, it's like we kick a dog. We kick a dog and we keep kicking a dog and we're surprised it, run away, it runs away and we call it noncommittal. Or we kick, a dog <laughs> and we kick a dog and it bites us. It turns around and bites us. And then, you know, it's abusive and it's violent. Or, you know, it bites us and runs away. Right. And But we don't ever pay attention to the foot that keeps kicking the dog. And maybe that has something to do with this. And no, never, ever, ever put up with any kind of abuse, period. No matter how you think you might be causing it, don't put up with it. Get away and then go figure out what am I doing? This is a, this keeps happening and I'm the common denominator. How am I bringing out the worst in men? How do I enrage them? How do I turn these actually, these human beings with these, these capacities for intimacy and spirituality Beyond what we can imagine, but would be delighted to find out how do, how do we bring out this primitive taker, dominator? You know, how do we bring that out in them? And, and we do, we antagonize their most primitive instincts and then we call them primitive, but mostly we don't know we're doing it because mm-hmm. the things we're doing to men are fine with women. You can interrupt a woman a thousand times and she won't ever get mad and stomp off. She she'll act like everything's fine. And then never want to have lunch with you again, because she can never finish a sentence, but you'll never know. <laughs> she was pissed. Right? We just. Yeah. It's why, by the way, when we're in the grips of the rage monster, it's terrifying to men when our feelings have been hurt Because they assume that anger for us is like anger for them, that what they're seeing, where we're saying the most horrible things to them, or completely shut down, curled up in a ball, they think that's the tip of the iceberg, like it would be with them, which is why they try so hard to control their anger and their upset and their hurt they don't know that when we're raging at them with these horrible accusations that our brain has been editing and re-editing into the worst possible assault, that that's the worst we've got. They don't, they don't know that's the worst we've got is the rage monster. They think it's the tip of the iceberg and that's why they stay away. And, and then it gets worse, right? They, they mean it's them to not stay away. <laughs> Save me from this voice in my head. These are all things we teach in understanding women. Yeah, It's wow. such a misunderstanding by everybody. We have opposite instincts. We antagonize each other consciously and unconsciously. Most of the time, relationships between us are basically doomed by our instincts. We've got to become aware <laughs> of them and find out what else we can choose. And then we need each other to help us, to help not be our us not be our worst.
1: Yeah, yeah, big time, which is why it's so amazing that you have so many offerings in this regard which I'll get you to just um drop drop them now because people have probably heard this and gone, "Oh my god, this is all so valuable and relatable, but I just need more. Um I have a million more questions that were sparked from everything we spoke about. So if people want to yeah. delve a bit deeper into this work and really start um really sort of working on themselves and their relationships hard out,
0: where <laughs> would you
1: suggest where that would. they start? <laughs> um, well, our old
0: stuff is on Audible, um, like, old, oh, like 2006 and before. Mm-hmm. Um, so the best place to come is alisonarmchang.com. And if you want to start out – like hardcore transformation without a lot of effort, then get the Queen's Code audiobook. Cool. Make sure it's the audiobook. You'll be able to listen to it on our app. I will read to you. Um, I will tell you the story that I watched the movie of with all the intensity and emotion and. Everything that I watched, which most people, when they're reading the book, they don't read it to them themselves the same way. It's very watered down when they read it to themselves, even those same words. Either. So, listen to the Queen's Code audiobook. Um, if someone wanted to interact with me, I do something called the Queen's Code Journey, where people listen to the audiobook one chapter at a time, um, following the lives of the characters one week at a time, and then we get together. Um, every week and they can ask questions. Um, it's amazing. And um, mm. when we do other things. So that's like a simple get to the heart of the matter, um, especially what causes us to emasculate men and the effect that it has on them and then how to communicate with men effectively. And then there's a whole chapter um, called From, <laughs> From Pumpkin Hours to Desserts which is all mm-hmm. the things we need to talk about with our partners about sex, all the places we have misunderstandings and get hurt or mm. pissed. Um, so that's one place. Another place I recommend starting um, is in the course we have called Lux, which stands for Liberation, Understanding, and Extraordinary Relationships. And it's less than eight hours of videos, but it is amazing. I mean, it will change – what you think you're doing with other people and what you're paying attention to. And you'll become instantly so much more effective and, um, and have so much more freedom. And you can stop thinking you're bad at relationships if you think you are. Um, it dispels that myth entirely. And I mean, generates so much freedom. That's what the L stands for in Lux, liberation. And, um, yeah. Yeah. So those would be two places to start. And, and then there's, you know, our YouTube channel and hundreds of hours, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you've been there, but I would, that's my favorite place for people to go now. Queens Code Audio Lux. either or, and, or, and then from there, who do you most need to understand uh, women or men? And even for men, I tell them, And women, start with understanding women. There's no prerequisite because I'm contrasting the two. So you end up learning about both and finding out why men don't already know this and why women don't know that about men. So it's, it's I think, 11 hours of videos. Um, Beautiful. Yeah, it's very potent
1: amazing yeah you can't talk about one without talking about the other to contrast can you um so, so many up. of our assumptions are based on you know the gender that we are and we think mm-hmm. well everyone works like this but um yeah okay incredible well i highly encourage everyone to go and check out those resources um and there's so many others you know 101 great questions to ask men was very intriguing to me to get them to sort of open up and chat about oh could so you normally would yeah, i haven't checked so it out yet like- but- but
0: okay, I course okay yeah, <laughs> yeah they're great um, questions and there's yeah, coaching yeah. On what you do you know in that course
1: yeah, yeah okay.
0: Natural death tape waiting for the well
1: <laughs> oh amazing thank you so much Allison this has been such a beautiful chat and I've learned a lot it's yeah it's been really really thought provoking so super duper appreciate you taking the time i know i know we've gone a fair bit over time but yeah just couldn't have couldn't have cut that short really if we wanted to <laughs> do it justice so thank you
0: you're welcome and and i think i had plenty of tmi sprinkled in so exactly
1: i was gonna say that we didn't do that segment specifically like towards the end so i normally would because we've run out of time but we also definitely sprinkled in a fair bit of tmi so i'm happy with that that's good enough <laughs> can i tell you a thing i would have told you oh yeah if i mean I if you've got time it, give, me, give me a tmi yeah Hey, me again. If you'd like to support the potty and you've already given it five stars on whatever platform you're listening on, I want to mention that you can buy some really dope merch from the website and get yourself a labia lounge tote, tea, togs, yep, you heard that right, I even have labia lounge bathers, or a cute fanny pack if that'd blow your hair back. So uh, if fashion isn't your passion, though, you can donate to my Buy Me A Coffee donation page, which is actually called Buy Me A Soy Chai Latte, because I'll be the first to admit I'm a bit of a Melbourne cafe tosser like that. And yes, that is my coffee order. <laughs> you can do a one off donation or an ongoing membership and sponsor me for as little as three fat ones a month. And I also have a Sunroom profile over on the Sunroom app, as I've mentioned, And I also offer one-on-one coaching and online courses that'll help you level up your sex life and relationship with yourself and others in a really big way. So every bit helps because it ain't cheap to put out a sweet podcast uh, into the world every week out of my own pocket. So I'll be undyingly grateful if you support me and my biz financially in any of these ways. And if you like, I'll even give you a mental BJ with my mind from the lounge itself. Saucy um i'll pop the links in the show notes thank you later
0: well it's a tmi but it's also such a learning moment because you know you watch movies and the way it's supposed to work is like you get heated up sex starts and you go at it until you know the big kaboom right like you just like Like single focus, stay on track, right? (laughs) Don't ever let the mood change or the excitement drop or whatever. You just go, go, go. And it was so funny. It was pretty early on, and Dan and I were trying something new that we both wanted to try. I'm not going to tell you what it is. That's way too much information. And yeah, seriously. So we were trying something new, and he said. Um, he very gently said, time out. And and I, and I was like, what? He said, how's it going for you? (laughs) Bless. (laughs) I was like, I mean, I remember the moment I like, you can do this, like stop and Mm -hmm. check in and talk. And so I told him how it's going for me. I was like, how's it going for you? And he told me how it's going for him. He's like, okay, let's get
1: back at it. Timeout's over. I love all the sports oh. metaphors you guys have. Oh, he's he's such an athlete
0: and a and a coach. He coached hockey for ages, and mm. yeah, but it but it's a it's a good characteristic. Like it was just like you know, timeout. Let's discuss this. You know, yeah. <laughs> okay. And I, I it it changed everything just to know I could mm. do that, right? Yeah, and yep. There was another time I told him, I said, I, I'm self-conscious because I, 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 feel chubby and, and I I'm self-conscious. And he said, you're not chubby. And then there's like a pause. He goes, he goes, no, no, you're a little chubby. <laughs> but he was so, and, and I was like, and I looked at him and he goes, I remember truth is your love language. <laughs> oh, oh,
1: oh Dad.
0: <laughs> and I'm like, okay. So first time I ever been called chubby and was more in love, right?
1: And- <laughs> oh, I love that. Yes. Oh, because he doesn't see that oh. as not beautiful, you know. Like he does, like uh-huh. this is the thing. We are so critical of ourselves. We assume that yeah. other people are going to see it too, but it's just not so. I, I love. I'm glad that we squeezed those in. They're beautiful stories. It's really important to know that you can take a little pause and have a little powwow and a debrief, you know, like sometimes maybe, yeah, it breaks the flow a little bit. But if you don't feel as though you can do that, then oof, you know.
0: Yeah. Well, I have a friend you might want to interview her, Wendy Newman, 101 First Dates. Um, She was talking about having sex for eight hours. And I was like, how do you do that? And she said, Bring snacks. Yeah, toilet <laughs> pipe <laughs> Bring snacks. You can. You can do. I mean, I was so conditioned. It's just supposed to be, vroom! <laughs> like a drag race, yeah. right? Not, not a picnic.
1: This could be a picnic. Totally. <laughs> long lunch. So <laughs> and it just sort of, yeah, it just takes all the pressure off that, you know, race to the finish line and it, it makes such a beautiful space to savour and, you know, linger and just dwell in this in this space of arousal and intimacy and connection and it can kind of undulate rather than just being a steady climb to the peak of the mountain, um, yes. which I'm always talking about. It's just so much Thank nicer you. if you've got your scroggon packed and you've got, you know, your camel pack and you can have little snack breaks Breaks and toilet breaks and shower breaks, if you like, and you know, mm-hmm. eat cake off one mm-hmm. another's bodies. Also, another mm-hmm. example I just pulled out of thin air. Uh, <laughs>
0: <laughs> thank you so much. This was really thank fun. you. I'm glad yeah. we were out to do it, and um, thanks for what you do. It's oh man, it, uh, safety is everything, and mm. if we can be safe for each other. Anything is possible.
1: Anything Hardly. is
0: possible. Yeah. yeah. And men are yeah. they so want us to be safe. When they find out how much of the time we're afraid, they've they've cried. They've they've mm. cried to re- realize. So yeah. I, I don't know if I told you about that on the on the homepage at the bottom of the homepage. There's a, a half hour sample of understanding women. It's free.
1: Oh, okay. And it's yeah. all about our
0: relationship to safety, the difference between men and women. It cracks, um, it cracks the egg wide open.
1: Beautiful. I'm definitely going to check that out. And I'll post all of this info and these links in the Labia Lounge Facebook group and in the show notes. And, yeah, I'm just so grateful that you made time for this. Thank you, Allison. You're welcome. All right, until next time. And that's it, darling hearts. And you'd be supporting my vision to educate, empower, demystify and destigmatize with this here podcast. Also, I'm always open to feedback, topic ideas that you'd love to hear covered or guest suggestions. So feel free to get in touch via my website at frayograph.com or say hey over on Insta. My handle is Freya underscore graph underscore YMT and I seriously hope you're following me on there because damn, we have fun. We have fun. Anyway, later labial legends. I'll see you next time.